apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of homeownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Home Mortgage, and equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Annie Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in. Every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth and retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round. Bells ringing. Counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs welcome to throwing jabs the cmg sports podcast i'm joe aguire along with jared jones wow uh last weekend very exciting fight. A lot of people had high hopes for Juliana Pena, who took a pretty good beating from Amanda Nunes. Not as bad, according to her, as first reported. There was a rumor, Jared, that she'd lost a chunk of her forehead. Uh, not as bad as was described. But this was afterwards, too, Jared. I don't know if you that's, saw That's Amanda. a three-head then, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's what she was left with. After the fight, Amanda Nunes said, I didn't want to finish her. I wanted to beat her brains in for five rounds and prove. Now, I don't know if I buy that necessarily, but I will say this, and you know how I feel about this, about fights like this. I would much rather see something go the distance it generally shows me who the better fighter is. And I didn't have much doubt going into this fight. The answer to the question was Amanda Nunes. I do think she definitely proved it. And I agree with a lot of people. I don't know that there's a need for a third fight here. 
You know, and I said if she can be competitive, all she really needs to do is be competitive, which is kind of a unique situation. She was not that. This was a as dominant a performance as you expected the first time. And it's what you've said about those statistics that I've never seen. To be fair, I haven't seen them anywhere else. I haven't seen anybody crunch them. But you and Tony are very specific about people in fights after coming off of COVID. And over and over again, we see that. And this is right at the top of the game. This is pound for pound, male or female, best in the world. Every fight outside of that one where she was coming off of COVID and a little sluggish. I think it's looks like that... a different fighter. She looked oh, like a different fighter. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You could see it right in round one and into round two, the difference in Amanda Nunes. It, it looked like a different fighter as you think back to that first fight. It, you know, she had a pretty good first round in that fight, seemed kind of gassed and came out in the second, got taken advantage of and, and obviously tapped quick. This is the real Amanda Nunes. Juliana Pena, I'm, bright future, no doubt. She'll she'll be a name to, to reckon with for the next few years. But Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko three, I think is the best fight right now for the women's game. I yeah, I definitely want to see that. Um, shout out to Will Brand because uh, this fight reminded me a lot of my first fight with Will Brand. We did a uh, you know Will, yeah. Um. So we did eight rounds in our first fight. And at the end of the fight, it was a dominant performance. And I was brilliant. I was so, that was majestic, Joe. I was so great. Oh, ah, in my youth. Um, but everybody was like, Will, what a tough kid. Oh, God. Like the whole crowd went over to the, it was a rocky type moment where the guy that lost was like, did you see that? Pena is one of the toughest human beings walking the face of the earth right now. That, that To take a whooping like that, and to be fair to Nunez, it looked a couple times like she didn't want to stop her and she wanted to punish her. She, 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 was, she went to the ground by choice and not by knockdown. Like by takedown and not by knockdown. If you wanted to be on the ground and thought you could finish it that way, why not jump there after you knock her down? There were a couple times I thought she kind of, I had the under. And I thought she let her off the hook a few times. Yeah. Maybe it's because I had the under. But when she was saying that afterward, I wanted to really punish her and prove I'm the best in the world. Take her, take her, take her soul. Well... Girl, <laughs> damn. Speaking of main events, Brendan Marino finishes Kai Kara France in the third round to claim the interim UFC flyweight title. Hate these interim titles. This one seems extremely unnecessary. Uh, this fight kind of feels like that as well. Uh, I I know a person or two who thought maybe Kai Kara France had suddenly reached elite level status in the sport and Jason, had a who else? <laughs> Jason Obi. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a lot of people. Uh, clearly, 
again, this is a situation where uh, Kai Kara France, I don't know that there was much he was going to be able to do. I don't know that there was, uh, he doesn't have that level in his fight game to fight somebody like Brandon Moreno. It's unfortunate, but just how this sport shakes out. And, and you, you, you know, I mean, what do you got to, you got to give these guys their title shot, especially when you got Figueredo out. What else can you do? And you get this and it's almost, it's, you know, Jared, it, it seems to me like, and, and, and as someone who's been in the fight game, let me ask you your thoughts here. Like Kai Kara France kind of knows going in. Hey, he's a long shot. Vegas knew he was a long shot. Everyone knew he was a long shot. He earned his way to this title fight. Is it, I guess like an actor, is it an honor just to be nominated? Or do you go in thinking like, I'm going to pull off this upset? It's an honor just to be nominated. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, this is this is a decent human being by all accounts, but as far as a, a fight fan and a podcasting member of the media, I didn't care then, and I don't care anymore now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> this is uh, this yeah. He he's he's slightly above average. I mean, I don't. I'm, that, that might be a little harsh, but a title contender, an elite-level fighter, I've never seen him as that. I haven't once in his career seen him like that, and I think Moreno showed us that. Just picked him apart and finished him. So, again, my, my thought is, again, sort of the idea here is that uh, you, you, you just keep putting guys up against these champions. And so... I'm thinking just a couple weeks ago, Cannoneer and Adesanya, and it was like, again, I'm Jared Cannoneer. It's like, dude, this is awesome. Getting a big money fight against Adesanya. Went exactly like this did, like most of these go, and it's like your your chances of upsetting that guy are slim and none. Well, let me change. Let me change my answer. It's an honor to be nominated against Khabib. It was an honor to be nominated against Joe Lewis. These dominant champions that just rape i'm not gonna put mike tyson on that list just because that was a scary dude and i was being nominated for that was a green mile um during his prime but against the really great ones that are storming through everybody when you get that opportunity yeah you you've got to convince yourself you can win that you have an opportunity to win but some guys show up to lose and for a paycheck. Arturo Grotti cried on the stool against Floyd Mayweather. What's the end of the fight? He walked back to his stool at the end of the round and he cried. <laughs> and we knew going in, his style didn't match up right, and he was just gonna get he was gonna get beat up. And he did, and there was nothing he could do, and he was just crushed about it. Our blood and guts warrior, our guy that will come up in every conversation that every knowledgeable boxing fan ever has about heart, walk back to the corner and cry. Yeah, I'd say it's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, it looks like clearly the showdown with Figueredo for a fourth fight is 
clearly right around the bend. Uh, Moreno had to win this fight, which he easily did, and it puts them on a collision course for a fourth fight. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I, I, you know, again, you look, look at look at Max and 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 Vol. Like, should they just keep fighting until Holloway wins? Like, how? What happens here? That's part of what got me out of the game, brother. Watching Frazier and Ali, their trilogy, with a with a knowledgeable eye, having been in the ring. And uh, it's one of the saddest things. This game will get you to where you can go and put, keep you there. Gotti Ward, Vasquez Marquez. They, you get to that spot and they find that if you find that guy, oh, oh, oh we're going to put some miles on. And yeah, it kind of does make sense. If that's all that's there, they're part of each other's legacy. I love Mickey Ward's quote about his movie. I don't know how you write my story. You, you, you did my life story and left Arturo Gatti out of it. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you do that. Stipe and Ganu 3, to me, is the most necessary fight in the UFC. And again, I'm going to base this on their first fight was a five-round domination in a big boy ring. Smaller ring, and Ganu with the with the second round knockout. I'd like to see them go a third time in a big ring and, and or big octagon and and settle that one. I feel like that's one of the like for some reason Stipe lost it. Everybody was like, "Oh, he's out." That's very dismissive of a champion for for no. And I understand Dana doesn't like him, but just I mean, even the fans, it's like everybody wants John Jones. Who? Or any other you heavyweight. You can't dismiss Tom Aspinall here. Uh, let's not just completely dismiss him. And Cyril gone. Let's be fair. He won some. He won a round or two, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm not. Uh. I'm not opposed to either one of those guys uh, against uh, going going gone. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We still got uh, UFC Fight Night. Thiago Santos versus Jamal Hill. We'll do that tale of the tape. Also, Virgil Ortiz Jr. Uh, undefeated takes on undefeated Michael McKinson on zone. We'll preview that. Jared's got a very special flurry. And next, we've got a really cool who you got. It works out that Jace isn't here. He actually put it together. It's the who you got. Jared versus Joe. We'll explain it next. There's no bigger investment than home ownership. And to make sure the house is up to your standards, you need a professional to look it over. Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections is a licensed home inspector and a member of the Connecticut Association of Home Inspectors. Brian was a contractor for over 15 years, so he knows how homes should be constructed and how mechanicals should work. What makes me a good home inspector was the 20 years that I was a home improvement person all the different repairs that I have done and what other people have done wrong that I had to go out and fix. So I have a pretty quick eye on seeing what's right and what's wrong. Before you move, call Shamrock Home Inspections. Before you make the biggest investment of your life, call Brian Flanagan from Shamrock Home Inspections at 860-268-2566 or visit shamrockhomeinspectionct.com. All right, here it is. It's the who you got. It's Jared versus Joe. 
we each get to pick a fighter that would represent us in the ring. Now, you and I actually talked earlier tonight and decided to modify this even. We were going to pick a fighter who reminds each guy of the other. I'm going to let you start. What fighter would you say represents you in the ring? Um, well, here's a spoiler alert. Uh, my who you got, my fight of the night, and my puncher's chance are all the same guy. Now, this guy fought a multitude of undefeated fighters. And if I gave you <laughs> the pound for pound top 500 list and 100 guesses, I'm not sure you would say this. Uh, a lot of undefeated fighters on his record. A lot of tough guys. Didn't get didn't get any baby gloves. Shortest story ever written is uh, for sale baby shoes never worn. Ernest Hemingway. This guy never wore his baby shoes. Um, a lot of undefeated fighters on his record and came away with a couple draws early in his career. Now, the thing about this guy is he outboxed everybody. Technically, he's so sound. But when he gets jammed, there's too much dogging. And you think about the two losses on Maurice Hooker's record to Ramirez, who he was out pointing and got stopped late fighting. And the only way he was actually going to lose the fight, he was drawn into that fight and lost. And then Ortiz Jr., let's be fair, he lost more rounds than he won, but there were times when he outboxed a kid I've never seen outbox before. He hit Ortiz Jr. harder than I've ever seen him hit before. And uh, if he ever puts it all together, can he outbox all of those guys and win all of those fights? The answer is yes. He just keeps getting drawn out a little bit. There's too much dog in it. Got to keep his head on straight. And when he does, he is literally one of the best in the game. Who you got? Maurice Hooker, most like me. Puncher's chance, Maurice Hooker minus 220 over Blair Cobbs. And fight of the night, Blair Cobbs is a dog, too. <laughs> All right. As we had modified this, which fighter represents me in the ring? Um, I'm going to talk about a guy that was supposed to go away, that had his glory and was supposed to go away and kept modifying his attack, his strategy, updating it for a modern game. Man, <laughs> excuse me. My boy, Joe, I love you, man. Uh, Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins, the versatility and just the ability to adapt and grow with the things that were thrown at him in a way that you watch the game outgrow people all the time. The greatest fighters among us are just outgrown by the game. Chuck Waddell, uh, Tyson, Ali, the greatest 
outgrown by the game. And in a time when you're you're in the field of technology and it's growing so rapidly and you've taken some of the hits you have to keep finding a way to win, it's inspiring. And you're going to keep doing it, just like B-Hop, longer than anybody else. Amen. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Uh, who you got representing me in the ring? My very initial thought when I read this was Tom Aspinall. Because like Tom, I would be knocked out in 15 seconds. Let's <laughs> go right to the ground, clutching my knee. Ah, it's over. Pull the whistle. Then I thought on it a little bit, and I thought, who would represent me in the ring? How? What kind of fighter would I be if I was to be in a fight? And I thought about the perfect guy, Nate Diaz. Mm. I love everything about that. First of all, I could take a punch. You know? I've been hit before. I've been down and out. No quit. That's Nate Diaz. Also... If I'm doing well, you'll know it. I could be a little arrogant. <laughs> Bat flips for walks. I've seen it myself. And if I was beating somebody's ass, there's a good chance I would throw some version of a slap just for the humiliation <laughs> factor. So to me, throwing the weed, it's got to be Nate Diaz. I respect that. Now, for you, I've actually come up with Three different fighters. Two are boxers, and one is an MMA guy. And I'm going to start with the boxers. The first guy is Tyson Fury, because you're bald. Just kidding. It's because you're supremely confident, you're very intelligent, and your psychological game is on par with that master. Wow. You're good. I respect that. Here's the second guy. Bud Crawford. An amazing human being. An amazing fighter. An amazing father. I don't know a lot of people that are all three of those. That's something else. Last guy, Max Holloway. Heart of gold. And the respect of everybody who you come across. That's a rare thing. And I, I was just talking to the, the class I teach the other day. You know, I, I remember I sent you guys the video, the, the Ortega Holloway. That in the middle of the hellacious beating. That Max Holloway was putting on Brian Ortega, where he destroyed his orbital bone and, and put Ortega out of business for 18 months. There's a there's a point in the fourth round where where Max sort of stops the fight for a minute and he takes Ortega's hands and he positions them and then slowly throws the left right so Ortega can block them. Like, dude, I'm gonna keep throwing this. Put your hands up. I don't want to hurt you anymore. That was in a championship fight. I can't imagine a lot of people would do something like Jared. I would bet you'd be one of them. Well, but, uh, I guess my response to that is I'm trying to build a place where people can experience the fight game like that. Where... They're not all championship fights. And that's that's one of the issues is you have to take that out. This is a business. Khabib did one of those um, with Justin Gagey. Uh, you've seen it. You've seen it a couple times. There's compilations of guys pointing to the ref. There was a there's a uh, 
there was an Asian guy in an MMA fight that rocked the guy so many times so bad that he just backed up and squatted down and tapped on the mat and tapped himself out of the fight. What is this guy doing? I, I can't, I'm, I'm also, I'm a fighter and I'm also a human being. Um, yeah. And, and the way my priorities are set up, uh, I'll take all three of those. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I put a little thought into that, my man. Yeah. I love you, too. All right, listen, we're going to take one more quick break. Got some really great sponsors. One last break, and then we'll get into uh, both of our big fight previews again, Thiago Santos versus Jamal Hill in UFC Fight Night. Uh, and then over on zone, undefeated fighters, Virgil Ortiz Jr., 18-0, uh, 18 knockouts against Michael McKinnison, who is 22-0 with two knockouts. I think that's going to be we're going to be talking about the power coming up right after this we can expect another wet summer in connecticut and that means more mosquitoes than ever if you don't have your home service for mosquito control and you find you're spending most of your outside time swatting those little pests or you did have your yard sprayed but you still have bites all over your body you're in luck mosquito shield of central connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the mosquito shield tailored treatment system all mosquito control service is not the same they don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one size fits all service program you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. The promise is awarded them an industry-leading customer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCNCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade DeCesare and enjoy the rest of the summer mosquito-free. Tonight, the UFC returned to the Apex in Las Vegas for UFC on ESPN 40, featuring a light heavyweight fight in the main event between Thiago Santos and Jamal Hill. Let's break it down. Thiago Santos is 38 foot two with a 76 inch reach and a record of 22 and 10 with 15 knockouts. From Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Santos was born into extreme poverty, taking up capoeira and Muay Thai to defend himself as he lived in the most dangerous part of the city. After serving as a paratrooper in the Brazilian Army, he made his MMA debut on October 10, 2010, with a unanimous He quickly went 8-1 with six stoppages, including a first-round knockout of Vicente Luque, before making his UFC debut, losing to Cesar Ferreira via guillotine choke. After losing by decision to Uriah Hall, he went on a five-fight winning streak with brutal knockouts over Steve Bossy and Nate Marquot before dropping two in a row, a first-round knockout loss to Gerard Musasi, and a first-round submission to Eric Spicely. He bounced back five months later, scoring a spectacular spinning wheel kick knockout of Jack Marshman and followed that up with vicious knockouts over contenders Gerald Marichart, Jack Hermanson, and Anthony Smith. After suffering a first-round knockout to David Branch, he went on another four-fight tear with a decision over Kevin Holland, followed by a TKO of Eric Anders and a brutal left-hook knockout of Jimmy Manoa. On February 23, 2019, he headlined UFC Fight Night, engaging in a highly tactical and exciting fight with Jan Blachowicz before catching the future light heavyweight champion with a left hook as he rushed in and finished him off with ground and pound. 
Five months later, he got his first shot at a title, taking on all-time great John Jones in an exciting back-and-forth fight. And despite losing by a split decision, he became the first fighter to win a scorecard against Jones. Following the fight, he underwent double knee surgery as he sustained a torn ACL, PCL, meniscus, and cracked tibia. After recovering from a bout of COVID-19, he took on number one contender Glover Teixeira in another exciting brawl, and despite almost finishing Teixeira a couple of times, he lost via rear naked choke in round three. Six months later, he dropped a unanimous decision to Alexander Rakic in a fairly lackluster fight. In October of 2021, he ended his three-fight skid with a tentative and cautious victory over Johnny Walker. However, on March 12, 2022, he took on rising prospect Magomed Anakolaev, getting both outstruck and outwrestled en route to a unanimous decision loss. A well-rounded and technically proficient striker, Santos has an exceptionally high ring IQ and possesses explosive power in both his kicks and punches. Jamal Hill is 31 years old. He's 6'4 with a 79-inch reach and a record of 10-1-1 with six knockouts. From Grand Rapids, Michigan, by way of Chicago, Hill, a natural athlete, passed up on a potential career in basketball while attending Davenport University in order to pursue a career in MMA. Making his professional debut in September of 2017, with a unanimous decision over Alex Davidson. He then won his next four with two knockouts before getting invited to compete on Dana White's Contender Series 21, earning his UFC contract with a third-round knockout of Alexander Popak. He followed it up with a unanimous decision over Darko Stoisik, and in May of 2020 scored a first-round knockout of Kilton Abreu, which was later overturned to a no contest after Hill failed a post-fight drug test. He returned seven months later, taking on Ovin St. Preux, stopping the UFC veteran in round two with a barrage of punches. The following year, he suffered his first loss to Scotland's Paul Craig, getting taken down early in the first round and then having his left arm snapped in an armbar while absorbing punches and elbows before the referee finally called a halt to the action. He bounced back just six months later, blowing out Jimmy Crute 48 seconds into the first round with an explosive one-punch counter right hook. And on February 19, 2022, he headlined for the first time, scoring a savage first-round knockout of Johnny Walker, dropping him with a right to the temple, followed by a 1-2 as he fell awkwardly against the cage. A dangerous southpaw who can move fluidly between stances, Hill uses his height and reach well to pick off his opponents at distance, landing his unorthodox shots from seemingly any angle. Will the tactical proficiency and years of experience against the very best be enough for Santos to prove that he still belongs among the best at light heavyweight? Or will the devastating power and unorthodox style of Hill be too much for the veteran as he continues his rise to the top of the division? Tune in Saturday night to UFC Fight Night Santos versus Hill, and let's find out. All right, Jared, Thiago Santos... Uh, has lost four of his last five. He's achieved gatekeeper status. A great career. Nothing to be ashamed of. But this guy, uh, this guy comes into the fight. Jamal Hill, ten and one. Uh, boy, turned turned poor Johnny Walker into a meme. It it <laughs> feels to me like the sleep. Yeah, it feels to me like uh, this is this is pretty well set up for Jamal Hill to 
step up in, in into the big boys. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, these guys both beat Johnny the Sleepwalker. Uh, ankle of I'm pretty excited about. I yeah, I think Santos loses. I guess he's a gatekeeper, but uh, this he's he's not he's not winning this fight. Don't don't take Santos. That plus three hundred or whatever it is might be enticing. Uh, this is Jamal Hill. It's got okay. it's got to be Jamal Hill. I, I, I really I, hope so, or it's neither, because it's not Santos. It's not Santos yeah. anymore. We were just talking about uh, Bernard Hopkins and how he had that very unique rise during a time when the game was outgrowing all of the people on his level. All of his peers were being outgrown by the game. This is one of the guys being outgrown by the game. Santos, that doesn't work anymore. You can't just walk people down and throw eight big shots per round and just stop people with aggression, athleticism. It you gotta you gotta understand the game. And this is this is this hell kid is a hybrid fighter. He understands all facets of the game, and he's there's nowhere Santos is better than him. It's literally a puncher's chance for Thiago Santos, and he's ranked better, six versus ten. So Hill's taking that spot. I was just gonna say this is for flipping spots with Santos, pretty much. And and again, if he could blow Santos out, put himself, you know, uh, just outside the top five. Uh, with an impressive enough performance here, uh, Hill, Hill could see himself in a title fight sometime next year. Oh, yeah. It's one of the only guys to be excited about in the division. Who else do you want to see? That is very true. Yeah. Well, again, we've been we've been kind of hoping for some new blood here, you know. And I and I think... Uh, Ankelet Prohoshka's the champ. I like him. Teixeira, Blahovich, Rakic, these guys are Anthony Smith and Santos and Dominic Reyes. They've been around forever. Yep. Ozdemir, Paul Craig, Jam Jamal Hill. That's those are the guys I want to see. There you go. Well, it is there for the taking for Jamal Hill. So uh we shall see. And Perhoshka beats either one of these guys. I would think so. I would think so. All right. Uh there is another fight. Big one this weekend. I didn't. Tony didn't do a tail of the tape for this one. I took it upon myself. It's a slightly abridged version. Still pretty solid, though. Big fight between Virgil Ortiz Jr. and Michael McKinson. The battle of the unbeatens. Here's the tail of the tape. Nine championship boxer returns to the Dickies Arena in Texas, featuring a welterweight fight between undefeated fighters Michael McKinson and Virgil Ortiz Jr. Let's break it down. Michael McKinson is 28 years old. He's 5'9 with a 79-inch reach. He's 22-0 with two knockouts. From Portsmouth, Hampshire, England, McKinson is trained by his father, Michael Ballingall, who also trains his younger brother, Lucas, a professional boxer in the lightweight division. McKinson made his professional debut in October 2014 with a decision win. In April of 2017, he won the vacant WBC Youth Welterweight title and picked up the vacant WBC Silver International Welterweight title with a TKO over Colin Lines. After four title defenses, McKinson won the vacant WBO European Welterweight title with a unanimous decision over Adjane Popko. In January of 2021, 
He won the WBO Global Welterweight title with a decision victory over Chris Congo. A slightly awkward southpaw with a high boxing IQ, the problem is to keep the fight in the center of the ring and to control the distance. Virgil Ortiz Jr. is 24 years old. He's 5'10 with a 72-inch reach and a record of 18-0, all by way of knockout. From Grand Prairie, Texas, Ortiz was victorious in his first six fight, winning all six by stoppage and only going past the first round of one of those six fights. His seventh bound came September 16, 2017 on the undercard of Canelo versus Triple G against Cesar Valenzuela, which he won by second round technical knockout. After improving to 11-0, Ortiz appeared a year later on the undercard of Canelo vs. Triple G2 to face Robert Ortiz. In August of 2019, he picked up the vacant WBA gold welterweight title over Antonio Orozco. He defended that belt twice with KOs of Brad Solomon and Samuel Vargas. In March of 2021, he took his first step up in competition with a seventh-round TKO over former champion Maurice Hooker taking home the vacant WBO International Welterweight title, and in August of 2021, defended that title against Egidus Kavosolakis, who became Ortiz's first opponent to last longer than seven rounds, but at that time suffered five knockdowns as Ortiz won by eighth-round technical knockout. A dynamic power puncher with dynamite in both hands, especially his right cross, Ortiz has both the ability to put an opponent out with one shot, as well as the footwork to set up his power shots. He's also very economical with his punches, preferring short, accurate bursts to wild combinations. Can McKinson be the problem Ortiz can't solve? Or will the speed and power of Ortiz be too much as he continues his meteoric rise and keeps his knockout rate intact at 100%? Tune in Saturday night for McKinson versus Ortiz Jr., and let's find out. Uh, yeah, having gone through uh, your guy Virgil Ortiz Jr.'s fights, I, I got to tell you, uh, he hits hard. He hits fast. He's accurate. The footwork is off the charts. Uh, dynamite in both hands. The guy he's fighting, Michael McKinson, is also undefeated. But he's uh, he's scored two knockouts in his career I think when you get to a certain level in this sport, if you can't bring the thunder, you're going to have a really hard time winning championship caliber fights. So 11% knockout ratio? <laughs> yes. Is it? Is that right? Yeah, I, I got to tell you, dude. I when I Oh, no, saw it's that, nine. No, it's nine. Oh, it's nine? I've never seen a knockout rate so low. I was I was rather stunned by that. Well, and it means I you can't help but think about the mileage. You know, you think about a banger like Ortiz trading shots to get his off so that he can get those that hundred percent knockout ratio, nine percent knockout ratio, and you're going four rounds for 10 fights or eight fights and then six rounds and now you've been 10 rounds for your last eight fights and don't have any stoppages all decision wins eight fights 10 rounds every fight he's had since 2017 has gone the distance that's Which crazy means 80 rounds 
2017, just some quick math here. Way more fights for Ortiz. Wow. And one, two, five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Not, not, yeah, a third of the rounds. That's got to count for something when it comes to mileage. If you're going 10 rounds every fight, eight fights in a row, this guy hasn't been stopped, but I, I think he I think he gets stopped here. Ortiz is just, this guy's a buzzsaw, man. Yeah, you know, it's funny in thinking about McKinson. His father is a trainer. His brother is a fighter. It's a boxing family. I think this is a kid who's just, he's got some talent because he works hard. He's been doing it his whole life. I don't think he's naturally powerful. Uh, he supposedly has a high ring IQ. Again, I don't think it's instinctual. I think it's very much learned just by virtue of, again, I think you could be a guy with without natural talent and really learn and craft yourself to be good. But again, the the, the lack of natural power has got to be hurting him. But I think, he, again, he knows how to fight. So it's an interesting dynamic. I, I think your guy's just too fast and too strong. Oh, yeah. This has been my guy for years. Oh, a little callback comedy. I hope McKinnison finds it an honor just to be nominated. Um, I, and the thing is that this is the right next step for Ortiz Jr. If you know any of these guys, Mauricio Herrera, dog, will get in there and trade with you, finished in two rounds. Uh, Antonio Orozco, dog will fight with you six rounds he lasted brad solomon dog out in five sammy vargas dog out in seven mo hooker we already talked about him several times in this show uh his last fight you could pronounce it better than i cabal cabalulaskis cabalakis yeah bless you um and then <laughs> Um, so these are all guys that are going to come straight forward and fight with you, like kind of a boxer puncher with granted with a 9% knockout ratio, <laughs> but it's the right next step for Ortiz to see if somebody gets in there and outboxes him and frustrates him. You don't want him getting, he got outboxed for a round or two, uh, Mo Hooker, I thought one round or two against him. Um, I, th I thought it was his first time losing rounds. Um, so if McKinson can win rounds. That's what we're looking for here is how he deals with being frustrated by a boxer. If he outboxes this guy, it'll be over early. We're looking at Paterbiev, Joe Smith Jr. Remember I said that. If McKinson tries to fight with him or can't outbox him, this will end fast. The over-under is like a coin toss, too. Minus 120 for eight and a half rounds. This guy hasn't fought anybody like Ortiz Jr. and he you about to find out. If you don't know now, you know. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I'm excited Chris for Congo. Is Chris Congo the hardest charging, hardest puncher you faced so far? Chris Congo. Yeah. And it was six to four, six to four, seven to three. He won. He won some rounds. Do you know what Ortiz Jr. would do to Chris Congo? Yikes, those are two completely different classes. If he's winning rounds, to, yeah, take that under. This sort of junior. Yeah, it very guy. much seems like McKinson. I'm telling you, I think he's just good enough of a boxer 
that he's able to win just enough of the rounds. I, I don't think he's out there blowing anybody out. Um, it's a scrappy dude, but yeah, I, I think, you know, it's funny. You know, or Ortiz is, is starting to, you know, since Maurice Hooker, fight a, a better caliber of fighter. And I feel like if you're Michael McKinson, I think this is a little over your head territory. It's been uh, so 2017 since he knocked somebody out. But actually, since he won all the rounds on a scorecard, uh, was over in Britain where only the ref scores the fight. It was 6 nothing against Dwayne Green, who was four wins, 22 losses, and four draws at the time. His last time he won every round. So you're right. He's losing rounds to everybody. There's a guy 4-8 and eight here, and the ref had it 5-1. Uh, to one. But 22 and 0, he comes into this fight, and I'm sure he thinks he's really good. <laughs> he's got to 22 and 0. Like, I'm the man. He's got to be feeling old. that way. Yeah. Those two knockouts, though, how did that? I like, I want to know if it's like a twisted ankle or a corner stoppage. <laughs> Samuel's retired, suffering a torn bicep. I found one of them. <laughs> Is that one of them? Five and six, Jerome Samuels retired after the third round of a four-round fight because he suffered a torn bicep. Okay, and Colin Lines, 39 and 11. Been stopped four times already. Uh, stopped by body shots. This guy just can't punch, and he's in there with one of the best punches in the game this guy reminds me of julian jackson like paterbia like guys that hard punchers that when they hit people and you're like oh geez that's a that's a different thing than the other guys doing <laughs> and yeah. that's what it's gonna look like saturday night two guys doing totally different things i i don't know what game that guy's playing but this other one looks like he's boxing and it's about to get dangerous because they're doing different things different leagues no way I, I, my I, I, my thought is he's going down he's he's gonna blow him out early i wonder if this kid again high ring iq from a boxing family is he good enough to to get out of the first round without getting absolutely rocked uh yes yeah i think that he's gonna be durable and tough, you know, uh, father's a fighter, like you said, runs in the family. He's not just going to go away. I think it'll take a few rounds, uh, but he's going to have to not fight. He's going to have to run. It's what I said about Joe Smith. As soon as he decides to fight, and to Joe Smith's credit, he came out in round one and did, some, did what the fans wanted him to do. That wasn't in your best interest. Is he out of the hospital yet? But at the end of the day... It made for some entertaining stuff, and it comes down to when is this kid going to want to fight? Could he pick and poke and grab and Floyd Mayweather his way through 10 rounds and win two of them? Maybe, but I, I doubt it. Ortiz gets this kid. Buzzsaw. He walks through people. Everybody, everybody you have ever heard me talk about like this, only one of them has ever suffered a loss since we started doing the show. It was Cyril Gaon against Ngannou. If that's not a respectable loss, there isn't one on the planet. 
And this guy is as serious as all of those guys I keep talking up and girls. Shout out to Savannah Marshall, who's going to whoop Clarissa Shields. I feel like Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Fields are people that you know. They're not even fighters. They're just two women who have some beef over a dude. And one like that's I that's what it feels like to me when you speak about them. <laughs> I enjoy that a lot. You already uh, mentioned your fight of the night. You said uh, the Maurice Hooker fight. Uh, as I scan through this UFC fight night card, pretty solid co-main event. Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal. That'll be a really cool fight. couple of heavyweights. Uh, Mohamed Usman, 8-2, versus Zach Pauga, who's 6-0. I, I, I like that. A couple of bangers and, and another big heavyweight fight. Augusto Sakai. And Sergey Spivak. It's going to be a pretty solid card. And again, should be, if all things go the way I think they're going to go, Jamal Hill's coming out party. Let's hope so. For the yeah. sake of MMA and fans and I'll t- everyone I'll tell you what the UFC not named Thiago Santos. What the UFC doesn't need is for Jamal Hill to suffer an injury inside the first minute and a half and the fight doesn't continue because they've had some poor, they've had some poor luck when it comes to these fight nights late. Three in a row, three fights in a minute and a half, all just anticlimactic on what, what were otherwise good cards. Yeah. Great. Honestly, I was just saying the other day to somebody, those cards were so good that the letdown main events, it was all right. It wasn't a super hugely disappointing night. That's how good all the fights were leading up to it. Um, you don't want to chance that again. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, Looks like a good card, but you never know. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us for this week. We'll have, uh, obviously, Jared will finish it off with the flurry like he does each and every week. Big J should be back next week. Make sure you check us out on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on the YouTubes. We're pretty much everywhere you, you, you're you looking on social media. Look under uh, Throwing Jabs. We're also at clovercrestmedia.com backslash Throwing Jabs. You can find us uh, also on the audio podcast on all the different apps, iTunes, Spotify, the whole nine, wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Throwing Jabs. All right, Jared. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna step aside and uh finish it off like you do with that flurry. Oh, man. So my wife and I have been together for a decade come August 8th. And uh the third was our four-year wedding anniversary two days ago. So we went out to McCook Point Beach and listened to some music. There was a concert on the beach. Uh, ate some good food, listened to some music, and then we started wandering up across a, across a soccer field that uh, kids used to play on when I was younger. I was showing her all the different stuff that, of course, wasn't as much to her as it was to me, but that's how nostalgia works. And uh, when you're married, you walk through with that person, you know, and it's kind of a, it's one of those moments that we're sharing, and we get up to the top of the hill, and there's just this beautiful sunset, and we climb up on the stump of this tree that I used to sit under. I was, uh, people that know me really well know I was 
extensively bullied and this beach is one of the places we hang out when i was a kid so i went and sat under this tree and i was almost mourning the loss of this this tree that was now a stump they had taken it down and stood up on the stump and erica came up there with me and we just held each other and we kissed and um it was beautiful and then somebody said hey and uh, I looked over and a guy had walked all the way across that field. Go ahead, run that, Joe. Uh, this is Tom. And that's Tom's car, if you look there on the left at the lights. Tom saw us up there on the stump and uh, walked all the way over there so he could come and take our picture and create that, help us manifest that moment. Um, it took him some time. It took him some energy. And uh, I'm really grateful for the random act of kindness from some guy named Tom in East Line. Because the moment he ended up creating was a beautiful thing. And we should all aspire to be more like Tom. Thanks, guys. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jace, Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing weight, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hi everyone, I'm Owen Muniz, host of the All Four Downs podcast. Football season is near and we have the podcast for you. Subscribe and follow the YouTube channel for insights on picks, sports betting, on all NFL, college football, and the upcoming XFL games. All Four Downs. Presented by Clovercrest Media.